Amen. Hey, grab a seat as you do. Grab your Bible. Turn with me to James chapter 1. If you're newer to the Bible, the book of James is this little book towards the back of your Bible. Uh, get a copy of God's Word in front of you. And uh, as you turn there, let me remind us, this is the last Sunday of 2020, y'all. Then, uh, yes, a lot of people want to cheer about that. It's been a year, uh, you know, and it's been well documented that it's been a year. I was standing in a, uh, a grocery store line, and, and one of the magazines in front of me was kind of one of those year in review, and you just look at the pictures of this, and you're like, it has been a year. And uh, so, you know, so many times we've heard it's unprecedented, it's unique, it's, it's brought trials and, and hardships with us. But here's the thing, we, we as believers don't need to just uh, wish away 2020 and say good riddance and just be done already because if we play it right, uh, God will use 2020 to grow us in a great way for 2021. So if we get our eyes on the flip of the calendar to a new year, let me just ask you a question about the next year. And the question is this, do you want to grow in 2020? 21. Do you want to grow? Yes. I mean, we're all sitting in church on the last Sunday of the year because we're here because we want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in our walk with Jesus. And so uh, let me ask a a follow-up question to this question right here. Are you prepared for any means God may use to grow you in 2021? And the first service is great. Some guy over here is like, no. Yeah, just, I'm with him. Like when you really, when, when you say any means, like I'm prepared for the good means, and I think I'm prepared for some not so good, but, but there are just some means God may use in the next year that I'm like, no, I am not prepared for that. But, but here's, here's the truth, and here's the encouragement, and here's why we're turning today to, on, on the last Sunday of what has been a hard year, to, to kind of one of the, the, the cornerstone foundations of how the Jesus follower can navigate through any trial, any tribulation, any test, any hard thing with joy. I mean, it, it's what it says. It's what we're going to talk about, that we can navigate through some of the hardest things of life and, and our, our joy can stay intact in the midst of it. But, but here's what we got to know, and here's kind of what today centers around, and it's this. Trials, tests, and troubles are God's time-proven path to an enduring, growing faith. It's just true. God has a way of using trials, tests, and troubles as a time-proven path to endure, to grow our faith. And we're going to look today in the book of James, uh, just three verses, uh, three points that tie to each one of these verses, and how we understand in a greater way to be prepared coming out of 2020 and be prepared going into 2021 for trials, tests, and troubles to grow in us an enduring, growing faith. And so if you would, turn your eyes to the Bible, and let's jump in in James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, count it all what? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, I, I find it interesting that um, you have the greeting of this letter, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion or the scattering greetings. 
So boom, there's the greeting of the letter. And then in the very first line of the body of the content of the letter, we find this line. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, um, I think the greeting can help us understand why in the very first, like we don't often maybe send a letter and in the very first line, it's like, count it all joy when you meet trials. What's going on here? Well, James tells us he's writing to a group of believers uh, and he's writing to a group of believers who are in the dispersion. They're, they've been scattered. And now when you study uh, the book of Acts and you study the, the, the events of the early church, here's what you find that God's people are often scattered because of persecution, because of trial and tribulation and hardship. This is what leads to the scattering, and God uses that scattering to carry the gospel to new places. But nevertheless, these are hard things for God's people. And so it makes sense as James begins to pen this letter. He's like, I want to equip you, and I want to encourage you in the midst of the trials you are walking through through, count it all joy. And I just want to take that. I want to make it our very first point today. And it's this, I'll choose joy in whatever trial is coming. I want us to be able to say that today. And I know what you're thinking. If, if your mind works like mine at all, there's kind of a Rolodex of thing going on in your head right now. You're just like, there are just some things that I have no idea in the world how I would count that joy. And we're going to talk about that as we get to the next verse. But we got to make a decision here today that we will consider, count it, reckon it joy no matter what is coming ahead. My hope for today, this passage and this Sunday, is that as we look ahead to a new year, that this Sunday, this passage would serve for us uh, 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 to be an Ebenezer. What's an Ebenezer? In the Old Testament, when, when God would show up on the scene and do something miraculous, do something powerful, um, his people would pile stones up. They would make a stone pillar, and it was for the purpose of remembering and so that in future generations, when people would pass by this Ebenezer, this stone pillar, that the kids might go, what? what in the world? What's this all about? And one generation would pass on to the next, the things of God that, that, we, would, that we today would create a pillar of remembrance to say, whatever is coming in 2021, I made a decision on the last Sunday of 2020 that I will choose joy. I'll choose joy and whatever trial is coming. Now, what is joy? What is joy? Uh, joy is not some superficial happiness. Joy, uh, joy does not mean that there's never tears, that there's never an acknowledgement that this is not fun and this is painful and, and this is broken and this is messed up and this is a product of the fact that we live in a broken world. What is joy? When we preach through the book of Philippians uh, that talks a lot about joy, we define it like this. You might write it down if you take notes. Joy is a non-circumstantial delight. I know it's a mouthful. A non-circumstantial delight. It's a delight in the Lord that perseveres regardless of the circumstance I am currently walking through. So the joy is there when, when, when life is good and we're living at the, the peak of the mountain and joy is there when life's bad and we're walking through the valley because the Lord hasn't changed and my delight is tethered to him. And so James says to count it all joy delight 
regardless of the circumstance, when you meet trials of various kinds. I think we all know this, but I just want to say it so we don't miss it. Uh, Meeting trials is a matter of when, not if. You with me? When January 1st, 2020 rolled around, none of us could have anticipated what was coming in that year. Some of you sitting right here walked through some of the deepest valleys of your life in this last calendar year. And it is true when we flip the calendar to 2021. None of us have any idea what might be coming next year. Here's what we do know. Come on, church. Here's what we do know. Uh, No matter what comes, the Lord won't change. You with me? And because he doesn't change, my delight doesn't have to either. Certainly, there could be grieving, mourning, hard days ahead. There could be tears. There could be hardship. There could be pain. All of that. And we don't have to fake it. We don't have to pretend like those things aren't hard and aren't painful. But here's what we know. He won't change, and so my delight doesn't have to either. That through the mourning, through the grieving, through the pain, there can be a deep bedrock of delight that persists. We're making the decision right now, the last Sunday of the year, that we will choose joy in whatever is coming. But like, I'll shoot you straight. You're like, okay, just because we make it as a sermon point in the last Sunday of the year doesn't mean that it's reality. Like How? I mean, when you read the opening line of the content of this letter, and when you watch James crash two terms together that we don't often crash together, joy and trials, our question should be, how, James? Okay, James, it's one thing to write it as like the opening line of a letter. It's another thing to live it out. Why can we have joy in trials? And he goes on. Fortunate for us to answer that. Why can we have joys in the trials? Verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? It produces steadfastness. So James, he writes to these believers and he says, believers, you know something. You know this. You know this. You know this, right? It's when your faith is tested. It's when your faith is under fire. It's when you're walking through the trial. You know what happens to your faith in the midst of this. It produces steadfastness. Why can we choose joy in whatever trial is coming? Because, and here's the second thing, because a tested faith grows in enduring faith. A tested faith grows in enduring faith. For you know that the testing of your faith, and then he uses this powerful word, it produces something. The testing produces something. And it produces this steadfastness, this endurance, this perseverance. How many of you in the room want a persevering faith? How many of you want an enduring faith? But here's what you and I both know about how endurance is developed. There is no developing of endurance without some pain along the way. If you've ever taken up jogging, if you've ever taken up bike riding, swimming, you know that you don't go farther distances without pushing your body to the point of discomfort or pain along the way. There is no developing of endurance without some pain, some trial, 
some trouble along the way. Endurance means pain, discomfort is inevitable. Um, does anyone recognize this name, James Lawrence? Anyone recognize that name, James Lawrence? Okay, anyone who has Netflix might know this. You know him by his nickname, the Iron Cowboy. Have you heard the Iron Cowboy? Um, 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. So here's what an Ironman is, and just so I get my numbers right. A 2.4-mile swim, I'd, I'd be dead there. Literally, I'd be, I'd be dead. Followed by a 112-mile bike ride, followed by a marathon, 26.2-mile run. 2.4-mile swim, then hop on a bike, 112 miles, then run a marathon. Like, now, do that on day one, hop in an RV, drive to a different state, and do it all the next morning. For 50 days in a row, in 50 different states. He, he fell asleep on a bike at one point. It's crazy. James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy, is like the epitome of endurance, but you don't grow endurance like that without a lot of pain along the way. And the same is true for us. Our faith does not grow in endurance without some pain, trial, testing, and hardship along the way. But here's what I want to remind us of today. Trials, trials are God's redemptive pain to build a relentless faith. Trials are God's redemptive pain to build a relentless faith. As I was working on this, and especially this point this week, I was thinking, um, if Jesus, the one we follow, our master, our teacher, our king of kings, our God, if Jesus walked the way of the cross, and if Jesus said those who follow him must bear their cross, then we need to just come together regularly and remind each other there is no bypass for us around the way of the cross. We will walk the way of the cross as well. We will walk through deep, deep water stuff. There will be persecution, suffering, and hardship along the way. It's just part of following the way of the master. And it, it brings me to this saying, right, we throw out, and this saying makes us feel good. We like it. You know, I've said it. You've probably said it. God will never give you more than you can handle. Okay, true or false? True or false? False. False. I know. I crushed it, right? You're like, oh. We've all said it. We like the saying of it. It makes us feel better. No, it probably doesn't make us feel better in the moment, right? Because when you walk through stuff like that, you're like, it certainly feels like I got more than I can handle right here. God will allow. God will give more than we can handle. If what we mean when we say God will never give us more than we can handle is that we have the internal fortitude to face whatever might be coming in the next year... No, I'm out on that. We do not. 
If what we mean by God will never give us more than we can handle is that stuff is going to come along the path that is going to be so hard one day that without a, a savior to literally carry us through it, there's no way that we would get through Then I'm for that. We need, we need flat out a savior to carry us through some stuff in this life. You with me? We don't have the internal fortitude to walk some of the trials, tests, and tribulations that come in this life. But here's the fact. We have a Savior who has conquered them all. And he must carry us through. And this is why often in life, the greater the test, the greater the opportunity. The greater the test we encounter, the greater the opportunity. What's the opportunity? The opportunity to watch Jesus come through on our behalf in the midst of it. The opportunity to our, uh, for our faith to grow in endurance, in perseverance, in steadfastness. The greater the test, the greater the opportunity to watch our faith grow, to watch the endurance increase. And so... James can write, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. When you meet trials of any kind, you can count it joy in a trial of any kind. And we all want to say to James, why? And James answers it. Because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and then he builds on that. What does this steadfastness do? What happens to us when steadfastness, perseverance, endurance grows in us? Verse 4. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so you, you, can, you can count it joy. You can have an enduring, non-circumstantial delight in the midst of any trial. Why? Because those trials, those tribulations, they're going to produce steadfastness, and then you let that steadfastness take full effect. You let that steadfastness do its thing. Work on your heart, because when that happens, you may be perfect and complete. There's a sanctifying power to the steadfastness having its full effect. The trial is creating steadfastness. The steadfastness is sanctifying us. It's working on us. So then we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I'll choose joy in whatever trial is coming. Why? Because a tested faith grows an enduring faith. And when the endurance of my faith grows, I grow. When the endurance of my faith grows, I grow. All the way back to the question we opened the sermon with, do you want to grow in 2021? Yes. And we just have to love each other enough and look each other in the eye and go, if that is true, often one of the greatest tools God will allow in our life is test tribulation and hardship as part of that sanctifying process. Because when the endurance of our faith grows, I grow. It makes you go, okay, how, how did the Apostle Paul, 
Like uh, he seems like he seems to me like a pretty good model of enduring faith. You with me? How does the Apostle Paul come to a place where he writes in the book of Philippians, I've learned in whatever circumstance to be content. Like, put me in a palace with filet mignon, I'm content. Let me sleep in a dump, eating scrap, I'm content. How, how does he get beat in a city, get up, move to the next city, knowing that the same trial, persecution, hardships are awaiting him. He can do that because the endurance of his faith, all of those trials, all those tribulations have produced in him an endurance that allows him to grow to a place where his delight is in Jesus, period, over and above and regardless of any hardship that is awaiting in his path. The greater the test, the greater the opportunity. The greater the trial, the greater the opportunity. The greater the tribulation, the greater the hardship, the greater the pain, the greater the opportunity for the Lord to work in the midst of it. And it's what allows the believer to say this sentence through some of the hardest things they'll ever walk through. This is good. This is good. This is good. And you're going, no. There are just some things that aren't good. I'm with you. I get it. There's pain. There's stuff we'll see. There's, there's all kinds of nastiness in this broken world that just isn't good. What do you mean this is good? What is good in the midst of whatever comes? is the way the Lord uses some of the off, most awful, hardest, painful things to work something beautiful in our hearts, to endure our faith in the midst of it, and to grow us through it. And so believers, 2020, right? We can stand at the end of the year and we can say, you know what, not everything that happened this year was good. But here's what is good. What God has done in the midst of our hearts to grow the endurance of our faith. It's what allows us to stand up on the last Sunday of a year, looking ahead to a new year and go, and whatever might come, I'll take joy knowing that God will use whatever, some of the hardest things that I could ever imagine, and he will work an enduring faith in me that will lead to my sanctification. And this is good. Trials, tests, and troubles are God's time-proven path to an enduring, growing faith. So do you want to grow in 2021? Are you prepared for any means that God may use for that? And it's okay for us to be honest and go, I'm not right now. I'm not right now. I'm not right now. But here's what we know. Whatever God brings me through, he is powerful enough to carry us through and to sanctify me through it, no matter whatever it might be. So Redeemer, if you would stand to your feet and on this last Sunday, I want to send us out with this scripture prayed over us as a church. That we might look back at this Sunday and go, I made a decision right there, joy in whatever comes.
I'm setting it up as an Ebenezer that I'll point back to and remember no matter what's ahead this year. Uh, we, we don't have to wish away 2020 with all of its trials, troubles, and tribulation. Because guess what? 2021, it's got more ahead in different ways. But here's what we do need to know, and this is the prayer of our day, that we would count it all joy, brothers and sisters of the faith, when we meet trials of any kind, because we know that the testing of our faith will produce in us a steadfastness. And then our prayer is that that steadfastness will have its way, will take full effect, and that steadfastness will sanctify us, that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's our prayer for whatever is ahead in a coming year. Amen? So Redeemer, we love you. We send you. Happy New Year. We'll see you back here next Sunday.